Now, the Buckeye Extra Podcast with Rob Aller, Bill Rabinowitz, and Joey Kaufman from the Columbus Dispatch. Hello, listeners. This is Joey Kaufman from the Dispatch. I'm joined by Bill Rabinowitz. And we are going to talk about, on this episode of the Buckeye Extra Football Podcast, some Gene Smith media availability. Gene sat down with Bill and I earlier in the week. He sat down with uh, at a press conference with the, with the rest of the B on Wednesday, and we're recording this on, on Thursday, February 17th, and we're going to talk about a lot of what he said, some of the, the highlights. Most of this interview was pertaining to the football program and where he sees them going moving forward, Ryan Day's contract, uh, college football playoff expansion, a whole host of things. Bill, what was uh, what do you think was the biggest takeaway you learned uh, from some time with Gene Smith? Well, in, in the interview that we did with him, I think I, probably the thing that struck me the most was when we asked him about Ryan Day's contract. And obviously he signed through 27, I believe it is. And is due to have a salary bumped up to $7.6 million next year, this year, I guess. And, you know, which certainly a lot of money. And at the time seemed like, a you know, fairly generous. But we've seen with Mel Tucker's $9.5 million contract and other ones in that range that uh, it's not market value. And I just kind of – we wondered whether Gene was – felt any kind of urgency to – get Ryan Day up to that level, and he does not. Uh, he was pretty clear that he does not. And not that it wouldn't ha- happen, but that it's not really on his radar, at least not foremost on his radar right now. Yeah, I think that was my biggest takeaway, too, from, from Gene Smith's interaction with us and, and from everybody else, was that there haven't been any contract negotiations. It's not something that's really imminent. It's not something that they've really been going back and forth on. The subject hasn't been broached uh, from from Gene Smith's side of things. And I guess that's a little bit surprising because I think in some ways Gene was almost uh, puzzled by the sort of the, the repeated questions on the topic from from us. And look, I mean, we've discussed this on this podcast previously that Ryan Day has been the highest paid coach in the Big Ten. He's had the most success of any coach in the Big Ten, going to a couple of playoff appearances in 2019 and 2020 and winning consecutive Big Ten titles. It didn't happen this year, but if you look at recent history of the league, he's been the most successful. And this past season, he had been compensated like the, the coach who had been most successful in the league. And that's not going to be the case moving forward because of, of Mel Tucker's a contract, new contract, James Franklin's new contract, and Gene Smith doesn't see the urgency to, to restructure or amend his deal. I mean, Ryan Day's contract, he's gonna, he has a few more years. It's not as if he's going to be able to go into living, unable to go into living rooms and tell kids he's not going to be the coach at Ohio State uh, for very long. His contract does go through 2027, which is five years, a full cycle for a player, but the the salary compensation, he's not being compensated like the most successful coach in the league. Yeah, we'll see how that plays out. I mean, the, the thing is, um, you know, there really aren't any places for Ryan Day to go right now. The NFL jobs have been filled now. Uh, certainly nothing in the college ranks. Jim Harbaugh just got an extension today. He's going to make just over seven in base salary this year. You know, he's had one elite year. 
um, you know, last year. So I don't know where this goes, uh, but I, I would think that, I, you know, I, it, I was a little struck by what Gene said and just kind of the feeling, well, he said he's happy. And so if he's happy, then there's no need to re- kind of be all that proactive about it. Well, <laughs> we'll see how it plays out. Yeah, that I think part of me expected he might answer the question. I saw that, and boy, salaries are expanding and it's getting crazy. We're gonna have to look at that, but we haven't done that. He, he didn't even even seem to think that it was as much of an issue as other people did. He didn't seem to. Uh, Gene did not seem to acknowledge that uh, the day was a bit behind. Yeah, I mean that's yeah. I don't. I don't I, I agree with you. I don't know whether he feels like he's kind of in a good place because he's under contract and there are no other jobs out there. Um, so he's got leverage. He does. Uh, I think. Well, he does have leverage. I mean, right now, I mean, you know, where would Ryan day go? I mean, you know, th- this cycle at least, but I think the danger is that let's say Ohio state has the kind of year that they hope to have. And if Ryan day is making under market value, would he in the next coaching cycle be more inclined to listen um that's that's the danger it's not that you're going to lose him now it's that you might down the road if you're not if you don't give him the extension that he thinks he's you know worth i would presume you know he's he's never come out publicly and said i'm unhappy with my contract so um but it's you know he's he can't he's not (laughs) we all know what the contracts are we all know what everyone else is making he knows what everyone else is making so, uh, you know, we'll see how it plays out. Uh, the other thing that really struck me in the interview was, and this was in the context of, of possible college football playoff expansion and the possibility that if that happens, that there may not be a need for a, a Big Ten championship game and just kind of all the, the dominoes that could fall related to that when we – just kind of broached the idea that Ohio State Michigan might not be the last game of the year, like it's been every year for you know forever. He didn't seem like that's <laughs> no way, not on my watch. I was really struck by that. He was like, "Look, we have to be uncomfortable with the uncomfortable." That's that was the phrase he kept coming back to. And not that he wants that. I mean, he made it clear his preference is to keep it the way it is. But what he was alluding to is that in this time of just dramatic change in all aspects of college sports, nothing is sacrosanct. And I, I was just – when he said that about the possibility that, that um, you know, Ohio State might not play Michigan the last game of the year and he might be semi-okay with that, that was, that was jarring to me. Yeah, before, before we jumped into some of this other stuff, I did want to – to add a more couple things about Day's contract and, and the staff. Can I do that real quick? Sure. Yeah, because I do think it should be clear. I don't. I don't think that this is a case where Ohio State is is intentionally trying to lowball Ryan Day or be cheap. I think there is a certain practicalness to everything that, and, and Gene Smith spelled it out. Where look, they remade his coaching staff they they brought in four new assistants they they brought in a 1.9 million dollar defensive coordinator they've made some changes on the support staff so I do think there is a practical element to all of this where 
they're trying to, to pour resources into staff and spend a lot of time fixing that side of the ball. Jim Knowles is going to be the highest paid assistant in program history, nearly a $2 million assistant. So I th- do think that has been the priority for them in, in December, January. So I don't think this is a case where they haven't wanted to, to invest any money in the football program or they just haven't really done it with the head coach. And let's not forget that we're coming off a pandemic year in which they ran a deficit in the tens of millions. And so, you know, it would be smart, uh, fiscally smart to be conservative when it comes to just shelling out a lot of money. So, you know, you have the yin and the yang of this uh, situation. Now, Ohio State's deficit, we all know, is short term that, that they can basically print money. And it's just a matter of time before they get out of that hole. And they're going to, Gene said, they're going to take out some kind of loan. Um, and, and that's how they'll, they'll manage this. It's, it's certainly not a crisis situation, but it is, it's real. It is money they do have to repay. Um, so I, I'm sure all this stuff factors into, into this uh, decision. Um, but, you know, there was one thing I'm trying to, I'm trying to find it in our story. Um, when he, when he said, you know, basically you don't, oh, that's what I said. Uh, the question was, you know, you look at the fact he's won the Big Ten Championship two out of three years and the other coaches, Franklin and, and Tucker, haven't come close to that. And that's where people see the difference. He said, that's great. That's why they don't sit in the seat. You know, and it was like, you know, it was Gene saying, this is my deal. I'm, I'm, I'm not worried about what anyone else thinks. I'm the AD at Ohio State. I, I make the decisions here. Did you, and I also want to ask you this too, but did you get the impression that this was something that, okay, they haven't engaged in negotiate, contract negotiation talks in mid-February, but that could change in the next couple of weeks. It could change in March. It could change in April. Where do you get to a point where it doesn't happen at all this offseason? And really next year kind of becomes, I don't want to say like a contract year because he's still under contract, but but a big but a big year for, for him to – to really make a push to, to get a bigger payday. He also said that he kind of goes by a certain kind of calendar and his calendars, he, he's just finished dealing with all the support staff uh, salaries. And that's where his, his head has been. And typically the type of time of year when you do a coaching contract extension is not now. He did say, you know, he said, I haven't even thought about it. Um, I've been trying to help put a staff together. And he said, you know, will that day come? Probably. Uh, but what you're asking me right now, no. So, you know, it's not that he's saying no to it. It's yeah. just saying I haven't gotten to that yet and I don't see a rush to get to that yet. Yeah, I think it's fair. I think it gives them a chance to, if they want to, to get this done now in late February or, or, or March, it's something they're going to have the option to do. It's not like he put himself in a corner or anything like that. Right. Let's take a, a quick break here and uh, maybe dive into some other topics as well from, from Gene Smith Q&A with the Dispatch and uh, his news conference this week. Bill, before we segue back into the, the contract talks, the staff talks with Jim Knowles, um, you touched on the fact that the Michigan game was was something that – they were going to have to, to look at. Maybe we should, I guess, dive into some of the context and why that was, uh, why that came up. Yeah. As I said, you know, there's all kinds of speculation about expansion of the playoffs, which is kind of hit a, a 
stumbling block. The ACC with Jim Phillips has kind of made his objections pretty well known. And I think, uh, you know, even the Big Ten has with certain things. But I don't think any of it's insurmountable, but it's certainly been bumpier than a lot of people thought. But Gene thought that they would go to a 12-game playoff or 12-team playoff sooner. It sounded like sooner rather than later. Now, we didn't get in specifically in that the years and how long it will take uh, for that to happen. But but that's that's clearly where his mind is, is that they're going to get to 12. And if that happens, then the question is, if you have 12, then is there really a need for a Big Ten championship game where you're going to have all these other extra playoff games? And, you know, so that's that was the context of it. And the other part of the equation is would you – Let's consider, get rid of the Big Ten championship game. I thought you were talking about getting rid of the Michigan – or not getting rid of the Well, that, but this ties in with it. And the other, the other part of the discussion was – there, uh, the Iowa athletic director, Gary Barta, told uh, one of the Iowa reporters that the Big Ten was considering dropping the divisions, uh, not, not going to you know, just like the Big 12 does, and then having just everybody, uh, the top two teams play in the championship game like they do. Well, in the case of the Big Ten, that would mean that if the schedule stay the way they are now, Ohio State play Michigan, obviously, the last week of the year. And then potentially in a Big Ten championship game, which Gene didn't have a problem with. I was surprised by that. He said, if that's the way it works, then fine. And then one of us asked him, well, one way to get around that would be to move the regular season Ohio State-Michigan game. And I thought, you know, just that idea might send him into convulsions or something, you know, because it's – you just don't – I mean, that's – it's the last game of the year. That's just what it is. That's part of the a huge part of the reason why the the rivalry is so special. And you know, I think I asked where you one of us asked him, would you would you be willing to consider that Ohio State Michigan would not be played the last game? And his answer is, I'm not firm on anything. You're in COVID. Here's what people have to get comfortable with the uncomfortable. The reality is everything's changing. We may be collective bargaining. Let's, you know, again, there's other thing about collective bargaining. But he was just saying the college landscape is changing and that to, to draw a line in the sand and say this is never going to change is not helpful. But I thought, you know, if there's ever a line in the sand to draw when it comes to Ohio State football, that's the one. We are going to play Michigan the last week of the year. And everything else can work around that. But that's not what he said. Yeah, I thought it was fairly revealing how nothing seemed off the table for, for him. And maybe that's how you survive in college sports uh, for as long as he had. I mean, he's been the Ohio State AD for nearly two decades now. And uh, nothing – he never was willing to, to really be firm and say, we're absolutely not going to do this. We're going to do this. He seemed willing to, to consider all sorts of changes. I mean, the sports changed gosh, in the last couple of years. And I think that's why he's 66 years old and, and still in the game and still still uh, where he is, is uh, nothing really wouldn't rule anything out. Um, to me, the division thing I think is a big deal, though, because if you get rid of divisions, I mean, if you did not have divisions in the Big Ten last year and you still had a conference championship game, Ohio State Michigan would have played the following week. And you, you talk about how different that game would have felt in Ann Arbor, where Ohio State, their season ended there. They, they lost a chance to win the Big Ten. They lost a chance to go to the college football playoff. And you lost 
the game. I think the whole tenor of that is different if there's a rematch the following week. You're right. I mean, you know, think about how I don't say unfair it would have been in Michigan, but that's that's the word that pops in my head. You know, they, they have this emotional win against Ohio State, play a great game, and then they have to turn around and play the next week in Indianapolis in what would be an even more important game. And you could obviously flip the roles in other years. Imagine Ohio State and, and two, you imagine the 2016 game, double overtime, all that. See you next week, <laughs> you know, for all the marbles. It, it would have been, I don't know how you do that. I mean, emotionally, physically, I don't know how you do it. Uh, so that would be kind of the context of why you would at least consider on paper moving the, the regular season Ohio State game to earlier in the year so you don't have that. It'd be a situation I still, the Big 12 where Texas and Oklahoma play maybe in October, and they're still under the current Big 12 structure. There's a chance they can meet in the conference title game because there's no divisions there. Yeah, but then you're talking about, you know, your team is different in October than it is six weeks later. To play back-to-back, uh, it's it, that would be – I couldn't even imagine. Just the physical toll that game takes on you and the emotional and toll. Yeah. To you me – and that's the great thing about the Ohio State-Michigan rivalry. It's why it's celebrated as much as it is because you typically have two great teams and there's this season-long buildup to the last game of the year. To have it, I think it would cheapen the rivalry because you're going to play twice. And, and it doesn't, no doubt. doesn't have the same ramifications. No doubt. And, and you know, a couple of years ago during the COVID year, when they came out with the, the, the first kind of revised schedule. I'm pretty sure that Ohio State-Michigan was not the last game of the year. But I think, I mean, that was a special circumstance. You're dealing with, we got to do this on the fly and and just do the best we can. And, and, and you know, that was not like anything but a one-time deal. Um, and again, Gene was not saying he would be in favor of this. All he was saying is that I'm not going to rule anything out. But I was still surprised that he would not rule that out. Yeah, I think the other thing that that caught people's attention too, and Dean had brought this up at Big Ten Media Days as well, but it, for whatever reason yesterday it seemed uh, to maybe catch fire a little bit, was the fact that he said under a 12-team playoff, and I don't know how much people have really studied that format, but essentially the top four teams will have a, a bye, and if you're five through 12, um, you uh, – if you're five through eight, you'll play a home game. If you're nine through twelve, you'll be the visiting team. Right, that'll be the first round. And and Gene's point of view is that he would not want Ohio State to play a home playoff game in Ohio Stadium. He would prefer that game be played in Indianapolis at Lucas Oil Stadium to have better conditions, to have a weather controlled environment. And previously in July, I felt like he talked more about that being a player safety issue, it would be too cold um, for that game to be played in mid-December out, outdoors in, in, in Ohio. But he also talked about kind of the competitiveness as well yesterday a little more. What, what, did, you, what did you think about that? Well, it really wasn't anything different than what he had said last July in yeah. Indianapolis at Big Ten Media Day. So I didn't kind of think it was all that much of a revelation he did kind of clarify that he wasn't ruling out the idea of playing at Ohio Stadium. It was just some of it depending on the calendar. And the later it went into December, the more likely he would want to play it at Indianapolis. Whereas, you know, if it were like maybe the first week of December or late November, depending on how things shake out, he'd be more amenable to playing it 
in Columbus. But um, look, there are a lot of people. I mean, the look if Ohio State makes the playoff as a five through eight team, they're they're not going to play Alabama probably. It's going to be a lesser team. So this this you know kind of fantasy that a lot of fans have about oh I can't wait to play Alabama in the snow. It's probably not going to be Alabama. If it is, it's not going to be a vintage Alabama team. You know, it'd be a nine through twelve team. So um, it's you know I get it, and and Gene has been pretty steadfast in saying that his concern, overriding concern, is, is player safety. And if it's really cold and the weather's miserable, that's a factor. Um, so you know I I can appreciate that. And and honestly, I think a. a an indoor stadium generally helps Ohio State. You know, I mean, I think the fact that the weather was awful in Ann Arbor played a, a small role, certainly not an overriding role in last year's loss. But I think uh, a dome, you know, for Ohio State that didn't have to worry about the weather at all, that would have played into their hands more. Again, not making any excuses for Ohio State. They got their, they got their butts kicked. But it would have been different. Uh, so I, I, I wasn't – struck by that as much, first of all, because he'd already said much the same thing last summer. I think is is part of the idea that, that fans want to see Ohio State play Alabama in the snow or play an SEC team in the snow and that it would make kind of have like the, the southern teams come north of the Mason-Dixon line or something, yeah. play a game in the elements, because, I mean, I think it puts the SEC teams oddly more of an advantage. If, you, if Ohio State were to have played last season's Georgia team in cold weather – in the snow, I think it favors Georgia. They're more of a defensive team. Ohio State is a team that likes to throw the ball and spread it out. I mean, to me, this is a case where Gene Smith, I mean, sure, there's a player safety element, but you know what your program is. It's, it's, a, it's a program that likes to throw the ball around, and it's going to do better if they're, uh, you don't, you're not facing 25-mile-per-hour winds and snowfall. Well, I think that's part of the reason that, you know, Indianapolis is appealing to him. But you never know from year to year what kind of team you're going to have. I mean, Ohio State certainly in future years could have a run-dominated team. I mean, you know, who knows? Uh, but, I, I, you know, I, I was – that, again, that surprised me a little bit, I guess, but really not much because he had said it before. Or maybe uh, somebody was joking about this on Twitter in my mentions. Well, how about they uh... – they build a second stadium for the football team that could be played in December on campus. You build one with uh, an indoor, an indoor stadium. <laughs> now Ohio State can print money; they can't print that much money. <laughs> yeah, your, that would be. Your, your, speaking, stadium, maybe that's stadium. Maybe that's a segue into to or a next, another topic, which is the Woody Hayes Center itself, where the Buckeyes do practice. It's I think it was built. It was built in the mid '80s. It's had some renovations. What? I think 87 might be the exact year. Okay. Well, whatever. It's, you know, it's, it's getting up there. Yeah. I talked to somebody inside the program who said, you know, they kind of admitted that the building is tired. Uh, you know, you can gussy it up with different things. And they did. I mean, Urban Meyer, when he came, he certainly jazzed the place up. And they added the player-only area that's pretty cool. It's got all this, you know, fancy stuff in there. But the building, just it's the size of the building. They've kind of outgrown it. And it's it's time and now the other issue is that they share it with lacrosse and, uh, and other teams now ohio state gets it whenever they need it it's not like ohio state's kicked out of practice you can't do you know things because another team is in there but i think they probably want their own dedicated facility and and have the office space and mark pantoni who's a pretty powerful guy in the program the, the recruiting guru 
he's kind of in what Gene said was a former storage area. And so if you're going to build the infrastructure and Gene Smith said, yes, they'll do what they have to do to kind of not sort of keep up with the SEC Joneses, but to, to do what Ohio State needs to do to be competitive, then they'll do it. The problem is there's just no space left in the Woody. There just isn't, you know, there just isn't. And so it's probably a three-year window, a three-year process to, to, you know, from start to finish. Uh, you know, to the average fan, it doesn't mean that much. You, you know, you're going to practice for your practice. But I think for the, for the program, that would be a pretty big deal to either renovate the Woody in a significant way to expand it, which is tricky. You know, we didn't ask where it would go. I'm not sure where the space would go, honestly. There's not a lot of space left on that side of the of campus for for such a thing. But, you know, where there's a will, there's a way. Yeah. I mean, they, they found space for a lacrosse Pacific Stadium. I think they're going to be able to find space for a football facility if it, uh, if it comes to that. I, I do think if you are the average fan, this does matter to you because I think you obviously want them to be uh, – to have enough office space. I mean, a lot of this is due to the fact that the support staff sizes have grown. You have more analysts, you have more quality control coach, you have Mark D'Antoni's staff where you have him and you have assistant personnel directors. Last year, they hired their first uh, ever director for, for college scouting where they have a former NFL scout on board. And, and his job is to, to go through the portal and, uh, and evaluate guys who are available. And granted, Ohio State isn't going to, to bring in a bunch of guys through the portal, but you definitely want to know what the what the market is and who's out there for those maybe those a couple guys you want to you do want to bring in. So I think that's where it does matter because especially the the side of of college sports that keeps growing is those player personnel departments because there's so much player movement with the one time transfer exemption and and that allows guys to be on the move more so you need to be aware of what's out there you can't just look at high school tape now you got to study college tape so you're gonna have more guys in the building and we've been we've been in that area of the woody where you have mark pantoni's office and you have a little adjacent area it's not a big area so i don't think gene's off base on on that at all it's certainly not a a a plush complex for for mark pantoni and company right right and um yeah, we, we are entering a new era. I mean, it's it's a different era of college sports. You have all this stuff going on, and I don't think anything's – I mean, I think we've seen dramatic change in the last year and a half, two years. Five years from now, ten years from now, it might be unrecognizable. And I think that's what Gene was kind of talking about. With all those overriding thing was get used to change. We don't know where it's going, but we got to be ready for whatever happens. And that was kind of his overriding message with everything, with NIL, with name, image, lightness stuff, with transfers, with everything. we got to be light on our feet and, and be adaptable. The interesting thing, I think, too, for from Gene, he's certainly a part of the old guard of college sports in a way. He talked about missing Jim Delaney. I mean, he worked with a lot of sort of the old-time college God, sports. I miss him. That was his quote. Yeah, he said, God, I miss him. That was, uh, him. That was uh, revealing. Uh, but – he doesn't. He doesn't complain about changes. You don't hear him complain about transferring and, and all this player movement. He said, "Look, if a swimmer can uh, go to another school and not have to sit out a year, why shouldn't a football or men's basketball player do?" So he doesn't. You don't hear a lot of griping about that. And for somebody who's been in it as long as he has, it's not as if this has seemed to be wearing him out. He talked about how he gets a lot of juice from from stuff and a lot of 
seeing seeing guys do well in the NIL space and, and players being able to cash in on deals, he said that motivates him. So I think that's also kind of an interesting side to his personality that that shows. And he signed a five-year contract extension last year. So he's getting he's getting up there in age and he's in his late 60s now, but he's he seems like a guy who's motivated to be the Ohio State AD certainly for quite a few more years. Yeah, he's that was he certainly is not kind of running out of steam. You don't get the sense he's coasting into the finish line. I mean he's he's engaged. I think this has energized him. All these changes I think that he wants to put his imprint on these things and and navigate Ohio State through these things. So um yeah I, I certainly didn't get the sense that he's kind of counting counting down the time before he can retire. Said, look, it's up to it's up to the school, it's up to, to President Johnson, it's up to uh, you know his health, his family, all that stuff. So, but he showed no signs of of wanting to step away. Um, you know, he's been, you know, I know he has his detractors, but without question, he's been among the most influential and successful athletic directors in the country, and certainly at Ohio State. I mean, he's had a long, long tenure. Uh, you know. The, the the way he I know is how seriously it takes being a mentor uh, has prized diversity and, and is really, you know, the, the Gene Smith AD tree is a pretty big one. You know, Martin Dramond at, at UCLA, um, Heather Like is at, at Pitt. Um, I mean, they're, you know, you can go on and on. Pat Sean at Washington State. You know, uh, Diana Sabo is now with the Big Ten. And so, uh, yeah, he's he's had quite an impact, and it's pretty clear that he's doesn't want to be done making an impact. No, and I think just to make, touch on this too, we talked about Ryan Day at the start. At the start, I mean, I think I think the thing when you evaluate his time as AD that it's always what it always matters the most is can you hire football coaches and can you hire men's basketball coaches? And certainly on the football front, I think he's he's hit the mark in all those areas. He had to hire Urban Meyer when he did. He got him. Uh, I think Ryan Day so far has proven to be a good, shrewd move to, to promote internally, and, and that's uh, two playoff appearances, and it seems like they're positioned well for the, the future here with the changes they've made. Uh, Chris Holman's been pretty solid on the basketball front. So I think overall I think that's where ADs get, get really uh, scrutinized the most, and I think the moves he's made on those fronts certainly I think speak probably the highest or as much as anything. And the, and the other part of that is that it's that Gene Smith takes a lot of pride in the other, you know, 34 sports uh, besides men's basketball and football. Uh, he, he talked about the tennis team, which is number one in the country. He talked about, you know, all, all these other programs, lacrosse and, and Mitchell Pelkey, you know, <laughs> those gushes about him. Uh, you know, he, he does that 36 sport thing is very important to Ohio state and people can argue about whether it's, whether that needs to be reexamined in light of the new landscape, but but Ohio State's pretty firm on on wanting to maintain that. And when he, when you asked Jeet about NIL stuff, he doesn't talk about star player X getting X amount of money from a car dealership. He talks about Mitchell Pelkey uh, or a tennis player or a, gym, a gymnast or whoever it might be that's getting enough money to defray the fact that they're only getting partial scholarships. And that they might be able to graduate without being in student, uh, being in debt from student loans because of the NIL money, or at least in how that can help them. He takes, I mean, he was much more enthusiastic about that part of it uh, 
than he was about a player kind of getting rich off of a football player, getting rich off of some, some deal. He talked about Pelkey, who's a uh, men's lacrosse player. I, I wrote about him when I wrote about uh, some of the, the Olympic sport athletes and the opportunities they'll have from NIL last year, but somebody on a partial scholarship. So has to pay tuition and to get some NIL side money is really, really important for those sports um, and, and those athletes who are on, on full rides. To me, it's always been cool. Ohio State sponsors as many sports as they, they do. Um, and, and they kept that throughout the pandemic. We talked about their, uh, their budget and losing tens of millions of dollars. But I think it speaks highly of them and, and their land-grant mission. If, if you're a school that's going to provide opportunities for locally and for a large swath of students, offering a lot of sports is, is pretty consistent with that as well. Yeah, and they offer sports and, and sports people probably don't even know they do. Rightful, right. crew, and, you know, it's like synchronized swimming. I mean, they have, you know, a great synchronized swimming program. Win the national championship, it seems like, every year. And so, uh, yeah, that's important to Ohio State. That's certainly important to Gene Smith. And as long as he's the athletic director, I would expect that to remain constant. I hope you uh, enjoyed this this podcast and, and breaking down Gene Smith's interview. Uh, you can read the, the full Q&A uh, dispatch.com uh, where you don't have Bill and my commentary. You can just hear straight from from Gene Smith. But hope you enjoyed the interview. Hope you enjoyed that interview. Hope you enjoyed this podcast. And thanks for dropping by and listening to the Buckeye Extra Football Podcast. Be sure and subscribe to the Buckeye Extra Podcast in the iTunes Store, the Google Play Store, or on Stitcher.